if I haven't gotten to meet you, I get the super fun opportunity of leading a bear group this year, as well as Unity Team. And that's my team. They are the most amazing people, and I'm super blessed to get to lead them. We're all friends. It's so fun. Um, but basically, Unity Team is like a newish team, and the goal of it is to make FCA a more welcoming and inclusive environment for all people, regardless of background, denomination, ethnicity, or story. So that's really the goal of tonight. As you can see, there's some men and women here who are just going to talk about their experiences of being a person of color and being a Christian and really what that looks like. Um, but before we start, I kind of want to give some biblical backing because race is a cultural topic that is brought up a lot, and we talk a lot about it in outside of Christian circles, um, but it's actually a gospel issue. Jesus died for unity. It is integral to who he is. He wove it into the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And I'm getting this from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Thank you. So I'm going to read that, and then we'll jump in. So this is 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So basically what's that, what that is saying is Jesus did the atoning work of the cross. When he took our sin and he rose and he defeated our sin and our shame, he restored us in right relationship with God. So we were reconciled to him. And not only that, but we were reconciled to each other. So now we are in right relationship with every other believer. Jesus has created a unity among all believers. And not only that, but we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. So that means it is our job as we love and know God to pursue unity among all people because he literally died for it. It is integral to who he is. So I just want to preface that this night is not meant for shame. Romans 8 says there's no shame, there's no condemnation that is in Christ Jesus. So that's not meant for this, but it is meant for holy conviction. And so we've been praying that you would be moved and that you would recognize the ways in which you haven't been loving your neighbors well, the ways that you haven't been pursuing biblical unity, but also rejoicing in the fact that Jesus has already done the work. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to these amazing people. Um, why don't you all give a little introduction, like your name. Some of you all aren't in college, so you can just kind of say what you're doing, basically. <laughs> Okay, they gave me the mic, so I guess I'm going to start off. What's up, good people? Um, hey, y'all. How y'all doing? Hey, y'all. My name is William Mitchell. I'm from a small, small town called Estill, South Carolina. If you blink driving through... Somebody said who? Oh, I got excited. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a senior, secondary math education and mathematical sciences double major. I am so, 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 so excited. I'm a fifth-year senior, so clap for that. Clap for the fifth years. Clap for the fifth years. Yeah, yeah, had to try it again. All right, but I'm so, so excited to sit here with you all. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Gracie Puckett. Uh, <laughs> um, I am, it's a little weird, I am the age of a sophomore, but I 
academically, I'm a senior, so I get to graduate this year. Um, mm -hmm. I'm studying biological sciences here, um, hoping to pursue pre-med, uh, medical field. Um, I, am, I have the privilege of being on the Unity team for FCA um, that enables this and just a lot of other things that we get to do. Um, and yeah, I'm just really excited to be here and share my experiences. Y'all brought that fire. Ooh, that came in hot. Uh, greetings, y'all. My name is Jillian. I am from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I graduated from Clemson in 2015. The campus looks a lot different now, just in seven years, it's crazy. Uh, currently, I work at Grace City Church um, as the community engagement director. I get to oversee our community partnerships and I get to lead our pursuits of pursuing a multi-ethnic body. So, excited to be here. Hello everyone, I'm Allie. I, um, gosh, I forgot what I was supposed to even share after that. Where am I from? Originally from Spartanburg, uh, Sparkle City for any of those. Anybody from Dorman out there? I can't say no, maybe, oh. It's all good, it's all love. Um, yeah, I did not go to Clemson, I went to SWU right down the road. I will not tell you what year I graduated because it is way later than when she graduated from, or way earlier. I can't do math. I didn't teach math. I taught, I taught um, early childhood education in the public school in Spartanburg for 10 years. Now I work for a nonprofit in Greenville called Switch. Um, we fight sex trafficking and uh, sexual exploitation in the upstate. Um, hashtag Switch4216 if you want to look it up on Instagram. Um, so before we start, I kind of just want to give a preface that all of these responses really would take up an entire conversation in and of themselves. But because of the limited nature of time, I won't be responding in between them. So it's not like I'm like, oh, thank you for sharing your trauma, next. But that's kind of like the nature of the panel. So know that each of these deserves an extended period of time to talk about. But you know, you know how to be. Anyway. Um, <laughs> okay, so my first question is, what is your experience as a person of color in the church and or FCA, and how did that experience shape your perception of the church and or FCA? Well, I have the mic, so I'll go first, I guess, this time around. Um, so I'm biracial. I am, my father is white. My mom is from the Philippines, so I grew up, um, and they transplanted down here from New York, so... I grew up, my dad, who's a northerner, and my mom, who's Asian, we came down here to the south. So that's three different cultures, essentially. Um, and we grew up going to church, a lot of different denominations. And I remember, well, I'll just be flat out honest, I hated being biracial. Just the way that I felt that I was treated, um, the way that I felt my mom was treated in the church. We went to, this is going to show a lot of the history. We, went, we were at Lutheran, Episcopalian. Assemblies of God like Pentecostal and then I went to a Methodist and a Wesleyan college. So I, I went the whole gamut um, if you will, but I Didn't like growing up. It wasn't until college where I fully embraced like who I was like I was talking to some other people earlier today Like I'm the Asian sensation like I didn't really fully embrace all of who I was and who my mom was until college because the way that I felt treated um, just in the church, I felt like I was looked down on, and it was a lot of what I saw, the way that people would treat my mom. 
um, who looks Filipino. She, she's Filipino. They say she looks the most, I look the most like her. Um, and then when you put her with my dad, you know, and then they see there's four of us, there's four girls in my family. Um, they just, to me, it felt like I was just looked down on. And predominantly, there were predominantly white churches. So there weren't a lot of other, um, even any other races in the, in the church. So it was just really hard to, I didn't understand a lot. I didn't become a Christian until I was a senior in college. So, I mean, it was a whole just season of growing up of not understanding um, what the goodness of the Lord was and what true community looked like and what true like family was because uh, it was never really explained. And then just the feeling and the sense I got and the way I saw people would treat my mom or the things that people would say to me even growing up, like, what are you? Because you don't look, you're something, but we don't know what it was. And your lips are really fat. Like you should get a lip, lip suction, like whatever in middle school. And I didn't even know what that was. Um, but I'm proud for, of them now. Didn't get one. Um, and so it was just one of those, like, you look different. It was just the comments and the different things, like, are you Mexican? Are you this? Like, it was never, um, to me, it always felt like here in the South, it was black and white. And it wasn't, you know, it, Hispanics, Asians. It didn't feel like there was a lot of any even embrace of that or those cultures. Because um, even if you think about, like, in Spartanburg, there's like one Asian store that I know of, you know, like, um, so it was, it was just a lot to absorb. Of course, if we'd stayed up north, it probably would have been different, but, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll speak to my Clemson, I'll focus more on my Clemson experience, because it was a really catalytic one, but I'll start off by saying, I grew up in the black church, and uh, that, was, that was really our life. We'd spend every Halloween there. Um, it was really just a place of refuge, safety, healing, uh, particularly when things were going on in the world that uniquely impacted black folk. That would be a place that we would go. Uh, and so fast forward to um, Clemson, and I'll rewind to, uh, the, the space in which I grew up in was very diverse. Um, and I think that I didn't realize how special that was until I came to college of just being surrounded by diversity that really did expand um, black and white. <clears throat> and so coming to Clemson, it was, a, it was kind of a culture shock in the fact that my life became very segregated. And so there would be some nights where I'm hanging out with my white friends and then the next night I'd be with my black friends. And it was not really much of an integration. And I wouldn't even say I was, uh, upset about it. It was just the reality of the situation. And so, um, like I said, I graduated in 2015. Around 2014, 2015, there were multiple high-profile police shootings. And it burdened my heart. I would go to, to bed crying. And so my natural inclination is to go to church where I would, I would typically get that uh, healing and uh, have a word spoken into uh, what is happening in the world. And so at this time, uh, the churches that, and I wasn't, I wasn't attending church like that consistently like I did um, growing up, but I needed, I needed Jesus in the right. And so um, go to a church that was predominantly white and I was sitting there and like, you know, it's coming to an end and I'm like, wow, we're not, there is no mention of any of these shootings. And for, I looked around and, for the first time, I felt 
my blackness in a way that was painful uh, because nobody was speaking about it. And so to preface, I also, like I grew up and operated in predominantly white spaces, and so I'm not uncomfortable being in predominantly white spaces, but in that moment, uh, I felt so alone and it felt incredibly isolating. Uh, and really, that kind of spurred this wrestle I had um, in my heart of what are we doing? Like, what are we doing as Christians if we're not uh, talking about the things of this world, especially those that uniquely impact our brothers and sisters? And so um, that kind of started these big wrestles um, and just nights of tears and hard conversations even um, with some friends that I had in FCA. I would come in and out, uh, maybe attended FCA like three or four times. Uh, but when I walked in, I looked around and I didn't see people that looked like me, people that were talking about things of the world. And it was, it was just a, I just wasn't a space for me. Um, and so I started having these conversations, hard conversations with um, some of my friends that were in FCA and they were hard, they were tough, um, but God really worked through those. And when I say this is a catalytic experience because uh, there was a, a time where I wanted to walk away from the faith because there was this division in my heart of I can't care about what is going on with justice, social justice, and also be a Christian because I did not see that integration in the faith community. Um, but God really used that and um, showed, showed me that he wanted to be the bridge builder and that he does care about this. And really it's led to uh, why I'm even doing what I'm doing now, uh, being in the ministry I am now. Um, but it was, it, was, it's, it was a hard journey. Um, but yeah, yeah, praise him for what he's been doing and continuing to do. Um, for me, my experience is a little unique. I am adopted from Guatemala, um, which means I have an entirely white family. I grew up in a very white culture. Um, my dad was a pastor. Um, he started a church when I was a kid. Um, and so I just grew up with a lot of white people. And um, at home, they created a really safe place where I felt equal to my siblings. Um, I, I, as a kid, I would forget I was a different color than my siblings until I went out in public. Um, I don't know, they just created a space where it was just really easy for me to not have to be aware of um, my differences until I was ready, and until I was ready to have that um, discussion and ready to process all of that. Um, I think up until the summer of 2020, I chose not to be aware of all of that. I chose to kind of put that on the back burner um, and just ride it out. Um, the summer of 2020, that was all of the George Ford shootings and all of that, and I came to a halt, and I realized this does affect me. Um, this is a part of me. Um, I do have hurt from certain areas um, that I didn't even realize, um, and I experience, I have experienced racism, racism in different ways that I just didn't know um, was racism. Um, I think coming into Clemson, I knew I was going into a white culture, and I thought I was ready. Um, I have always grown up that way, so I was like, I can do this. Um, but I think I had finally processed and started to process what it really meant to be a person of color um, in a white culture. And um, 
I think coming into Clemson, I started to feel that isolation. Um, um, coming into FCA, um, they started to talk about the racial injustice and like what we do and um, had a lot of speakers come. And I just remember one experience really specifically was um, one night it was online and I went to someone's house with a bunch of people and we listened to the sermon and afterwards we started to discuss and no one chose to ask me how I felt. No one chose to see what they can do to change and decided to keep it to themselves. And I, it felt like the elephant in the room. Like, I'm here, I'm a person of color, and you're choosing not to see that, and you're choosing not to step into that moment. Um, so I think that really set a space for me where this was not gonna be talked about, um, at least to me. Um, this was going to be kept in the white culture. They didn't, it didn't feel like they wanted change. And so that was really hard to step into that space and it felt very isolating. Um, I don't have a lot of people of color around me, so I didn't get to have that discussion and I didn't get to process those feelings. And so I think now I sit here and I get to share all that um, and it's hard because I just don't have that community and set within me and within FCA um, where that is a discussion and where I feel comfortable to share how I feel. And so, um, yeah, kind of like what Jillian was saying, there's just a lot of, um, it just doesn't feel safe here, um, which sucks. But, um, yeah, it's just a lot of hurt and isolation in this space. Hey, y'all, it's me again. So um, I came from a very, 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 very black church, right? So it's like, I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm going to picture, I'm going to paint it out for you. So it's like, one person's over there screaming, right? The other person's over there falling out, right? And then this lady, she's just going to get up and she's going to run around the church and nobody's chasing her. It's li you know, you say, yeah, she know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's literally just like that. And so when I came to FCA, my friend had a religion project. And she was like, Will, you always go to church. Come with me. I was like, bet. I know church. If I don't know anything else, I know church, right? So I came in here. We sat over here, right over there. Why do I remember it so vividly? I don't know. Um, but we sat over there, right? And I was like, this ain't church. Like, I was like, yo, they're not moving. You see what I'm saying? It was, it was a new space, I will say. But in that time, I was not ready for it. But I will say that FCA coming from a culture where I had not seen it presented like that, I had not seen word, so many words in a song. If you've been to a black church, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about, so many words and how descriptive it is. It did broaden my understanding of what Christ is. I will say that when I came to FCA, it was a new experience. I was able to see, wow, I don't have to do all of that to worship God. You see what I'm saying? But as I stay here and I stay here and I kept coming back, Okay, I'm going to paint it out again. I'm a teacher, y'all, so just bear with me, all right? So y'all ever watched basketball, right? Everybody's watched basketball, yeah, yeah? All right. You see those people in the, on the screen. They're doing their thing. You're enjoying watching basketball, watching them do their thing. But in your heart, you know that you could never do what their thing is. You see what I'm saying? So what I felt when I came in here is that, I'm just watching on TV. You see what I'm saying? I could never be a part of this place. I could never be, um, my, my identity could never mesh well with FCA because it's not a place that's welcoming for me. Um, I will say I did learn, I did learn how to still enjoy, how to still enjoy the messages. But when I first got here, I was like, 
I could I could never do this because it's like FCA is doing their thing, but I've never seen them do anything differently. Does that make sense? And what I think is something that everybody else says, so I'm going to just tap it and just go ahead to and pass the mic out of my hands so I can shut up. But what, but what I'm going to say is that in those times where the floor was, where the pavement was there, all you had to do was walk on it and say, this was wrong. I, it failed me. You see what I'm saying? Those were the times where I, where I could be seen where this person was murdered and there was no this was wrong. You see what I'm saying? We condemn the sins that are easy to condemn, but it's hard to condemn sins when we have to go against somebody or we have to call out against somebody who looks like us or who we're close to. You see what I'm saying? So in that space, I felt like the outsider. I felt like, yeah, I, like I said, I can never do what they do. But yeah, that's it. I'm going to shut up. Oh. Yeah. Thank you all for sharing. That's really powerful. Yeah. That is, that is hard to be vulnerable, and I'm really thankful that you are willing to do that. Um, so based off of those experiences that you've had, ways that you felt welcome and unwelcomed, what is a part of God that you cling most to? Oh, okay, so I'm, I'm back. <laughs> so um, the part of God that I cling most to is persistence. It's, a, it's an interesting one because when I was on Clemson's campus, I did not have and on-campus ministry to go to that I felt welcomed in. FCA was honestly the only one that I knew. I know it's crew and all of those, but I never, I never knew any of them. I never even knew FCA until my friend. That was my second year. So persistence in the fact that this may not be, like I'm not feeling all welcome, you know, and all of that, but what I have to understand is that there's a part of God here. There's a word that I can get from him. I can leave the parts that hurt, and I can take what I need. You see what I'm saying? So if, if, it's, it's like an interesting, I don't know how to put it in words, but it's I'm coming and I know that I'm not going to be a part, but at least I can get a word out of the situation. So that part of God of being persistent and going for it, like in spite of, is what I cling to most in that time. I think for me, um, the part that I cling to God most in these situations is that I am an image bearer of God. I am his child. Um, he is my father. I think it's really easy to lose sight of that in those situations, that, um, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made in his image, um, that he loves me just the way I am. Um, I do not have to change who I am to be loved by him. Um, I think it just is really show that he, like, really does reach for our hearts in those situations and that he really, like, this is not of his heart at all, um, and he chooses to still stick and still chooses to remain steadfast in his love, and I think that is the part that I cling to most. I'll say for me, uh, his heart for justice and his heart for this type of reconciliation, uh, I remember when I was having that wrestling, I was, I was pushed towards the scriptures, um, and was so humbled by how much he talks about this in the Bible and how much more he cares about it. Before I was, I was, you know, it was a prideful response of, I, like, I am the only one that is really caring about this. But then when you realize that God cares way more about this than I ever could, it just, it propels you in a whole nother way because it's, like, he's with you in this. And if you are praying for opportunity and 
um, for a heart, like he will give that to you because his capacity to care for this is just bigger than mine ever will be. And I can just keep praying for him to expand that and for, to keep, keep giving me opportunities and lanes and paths to walk in. And so when I'm feeling frustrated, I just, and, and alone sometimes, it's, uh, he, he just cares about this more. And so, yeah. I would say his kindness. Um, I know I had shared some, when I spoke, whatever, a little bit ago about just the, the things that were said to me by other humans. Obviously, we're all humans, and um, we'll always fail in some sort of way, but he, in, in, when I was in college, he used other people of different races, and then when I would travel, I've, we've been talking about how different countries I've traveled to, I've seen his kindness in other people and in other cultures, and that has helped me embrace all of who I am and who he created to me to be. Um, I think it's First Peter, don't quote me on it, but it talks about how we're a chosen race and a royal priesthood, a person, uh, people for his own special possession, and who brought us out of his dark, out of our darkness and into his marvelous light, something I've had to just embrace. Like I said earlier, just who I am and the Asian sensation, you know, like, um, and just know that he created me and it wasn't on mistake. And even though um, on the outside it may look differently to different people or whatever, um, he's just been so kind and has sent his people through them to be kind to me and show me that um, just his kindness is over. It's overwhelming sometimes. That's so beautiful. I just love how unique every experience is and how the Lord meets you in such a unique way and speaks to your own experiences and life story. I just, God is so cool like that, that he just meets us where we are. Um, so there's this idea of people or this idea that people will use when talking about race and it's colorblindness. And so it's this idea that, oh, I don't, I don't see the color. Instead, I see the person. And while that seems like such a beautiful idea because it's very equal, I believe that it's actually really hurtful to the Father because that's ignoring his creativity. It's ignoring his intentional creation of making his child look a certain way. And so instead of us pretending to be colorblind, how do we actually celebrate diversity? Yeah, I think you said that well. Um, uh, like you can see in Galatians 3, I believe, um, this idea of oneness. And we often, I think, confuse that for sameness uh, and uh, have this belief that unity is uniformity, but it is not. Um, and just like you said, Sarah, we have all been purposefully, uniquely made, and that is on an individual level, on a community level, on a cultural level, a global level. And when we are not fighting to see distinctions and, are, and try to um, minimize them and, and pursue sameness, then we are not allowing ourselves to celebrate all of God's character because he expresses his character through us through our gifts, through our culture, through our food, through our language, through all of this. And so if we are not surrounding ourselves with this difference and trying to minimize it, uh, 
they were missing out on his character. I was just talking to uh, a young lady before um, who's on the Unity team, and she was talking about her heart and her desire to be on this Unity team came really from having a diverse friend group and then moving to another city where there was a lack of it, and she felt that deficit. But there are some of us, because we're just in homogenous groups, don't even know what we're missing out on because we haven't pursued it or sought it out in our lives. And so we're missing out on just a lot of who God is. Um, this word is, is one of my least favorite things. Um, I think I hear this quite often, um, the term of being colorblind. Or um, a lot of phrases I get is, you're the whitest black person I know. I don't know what that's supposed to do. Um, I don't know if that's supposed to make me feel good about myself. But I think that um, those terms remove a lot of our experiences that we feel. Um, I think it's choosing to, I don't know how to wear this, but it feels like it's choosing to cut down our, um, or invalidate our experiences of hurt. Um, I think it's, in a way, justifying your experience justifying the reasons why our country is like this. Um, it's kind of removing the idea of like our history um, as people of color. Um, I don't know, I just think this term really just leaves, um, at least me, feeling a really empty inside. Um, I think it leaves a term of me questioning who I am, um, who uh, God made me to be in a way, and I just think it just really creates more division than it does unity, um, which is weird because I feel like the intentions are to be um, trying to unify each other, but it really just creates a lot more harm than it does good. And I definitely feel that when um, these terms are made, these terms are said to me. Um, yeah, I just think it really starts to invalidate my experiences um, that I felt throughout my life. Um, they pretty cover pretty much covered everything. I just want to say, don't say you're colorblind unless you're like you have like a doctor's note to say you're colorblind. Don't say you're colorblind. All right, we love being whatever race, whatever ethnicity we represent or we are. We love it. Don't say you're colorblind. Okay, I love being black. It's one of my best qualities. <laughs> it's, so, it's so beautiful. All right, and another thing, what I wanted to say. Um, was when, when you say you're colorblind, or even when you say you're one of the whitest black people I know, what you're doing, doing there, you're basically saying, you come, can I, can I touch your arm? Okay, you come over here in my circle, right, Title IX. You come over here in my circle, right? And then when you come in my circle, you don't have to worry about anything that's going on with the people that you love, the people that you care about, the people that you identify with. And in all actuality, that is not true. What if somebody came up to you and you're a man, you identify as a man, and they come up, you're a woman. Come to the women's restroom. Like, no, that does not work like that. When you tell somebody something different from what they are, you're now negating everything they know to be true. You're telling them that the things that they felt in themselves, that that's beautiful. I like my coarse hair. Now you're telling me my coarse hair is not nice because you want me to be something else. The way that I speak, the way that I dress, the way that I dance, the way my waves lay. You're telling me that now... <laughs> I just got a cut to y'all. But you're telling me now, you're telling me now that all of these things that I've built, you know, what, what I know to be nice and what I know to be beautiful about myself, 
it's no longer, it is not enough. It's just not enough. So, yeah. Ditto to all that they said. Um, I think uh, that question just for me um, can be hard to like absorb because if, so I lived in China for a year and when I was in China, they all thought that I was the translator for the team because the team that I was with was blonde hair or like one had red hair, blue eyes. And, and so I've always predominantly like, um, like I said, we grew up in like churches, which predominantly white people that I, oh, you just have a great tan in the summer, like we're all year round and you get a little bit darker. So it's like harder for me um, just because I think for so long I tried to hide who I was that even sometimes I'd say like, I'm not colorblind, but it wasn't anything against anyone else, but just I was so embarrassed about me and who I was that I would just say like, oh, I don't see color. Like I just, is all, you know, whatever. When, um, and that was just my insecurity and, and, and embarrassment and stuff that I was just projecting on the, the race and the cultures that I am. Um, and so, because uh, I, I remember I had a mentor, I guess like high, whatever, a long time ago, and I was like, I just, you know, nobody should see color, whatever, and she was like, you need to just say what you said again, and and I thought, and that's kind of where I started to um, embrace being olive colored, I guess, if you if you will, like, um, and it's just hard for me to like talk about because I feel like here in the South, like I said earlier, it is predominantly like. Um, the most of the race we talk about is white and black, and so I don't want to diminish, the, the, you know, the black culture at all because I I love you know like all cultures. Um, it's just you know also what I have experienced, what my sisters have experienced, is also a reality too. Um, so, thank you all again. I appreciate that. Um, our last question is: What is something that you are burdened for the church to grow in? Um, I think obviously it's good. You should come to things like FCA and you should have your, your close circles. Um, but I want, um, I guess small groups, you know, like when you're in the church and you have your small groups or, you know, here at FCA, I think there's small groups and stuff. Look around your circle. Who's your circle of influence? Who are the people you're around? Um, that's kind of what really, really gets my heart beating, like for any age, like, do they all look like you? Do they all, you know, like come from the same background um, as you? Of course, within the church and within um, just the Christian community, you should have like that small, tight circle of friends, um, but it shouldn't be a holy huddle, if you will. It shouldn't just be um, people that look like you, dress like you, act like you, and um, I think also, um, get out of your city, get out of your state, and get out of your country. Um, and don't do it just for a, a week-long missions trip. I'm going to go and paint this house bright pink. I went to Tanzania. I'm about to get fired up here. I went to Tanzania in 2019 and cycled, cycled through, and there's a beautiful landscape. They have mud and stick huts and then a bright pink building that did not even match any of their beautiful like scenery and culture, and it was because churches go and they think they're doing well and we're gonna the youth group's gonna come and paint this building and it's bright pink um go to where you're helping 
that culture and that community where you're coming alongside and giving people that live their jobs um, and then learning that culture, learning that culture of where you are. I'm not, it doesn't have to be a third world country. Israel, Canada, um, Australia, um, you know, like get, and then getting out of your city. I mean, I know we're in Clemson. Um, get out of South Carolina. Some of you may not be from South Carolina. Uh, every state is different, even in the states. Like there's different cultures within um, the United States here as well. So who are you around and what experiences are you giving yourself and your friends around you? Um, because like New York is not like South Carolina here. Um, even out west in Montana or Alaska, Hawaii. Some places, you know, like they're just all different. So get out of your comfort zone and get out of what you know and be willing to do that and be willing to um, embrace other cultures and meet new people. I mean, I'm sure here at Clemson, there's international students. If you see them, like, don't bombard them and like, cause you know, like we can get embarrassed or whatever, whatnot, but just like, you know, find ways to interact with them as well. Yeah, I'll just piggyback on that. Uh, I'd say just fight for discomfort, fight to be uncomfortable, fight to uh, engage just different cultures that are different, um, pursue people that are different. If you've never been a minority in a room ever, fight for that. Go towards that and don't let it be a one-time thing. Um, I have a lot of conversations like this uh, for my job and uh, I get a lot, one of the biggest stumbling blocks is um, with some of the white folk in our, our body of like, well, I just feel like I'm trying to get a checklist. You're just telling me I need to pursue this person because they're black or because they're Asian. And I say, do you want, do you want diversity in your life? And say, yes, you're going to have to pursue it. And it's sometimes going to be awkward and it sometimes might flop, but you got to keep eating the awkward and keep fighting to have that, uh, pursue that relationship. And that's the same thing. I think this, like even in our personal relationship with God, we grow when we step into that discomfort. And so we have to take that vertical reconciliation with God and really let it manifest itself horizontally throughout different cultures. And that is going to be continually fighting to be uncomfortable. And so if something in your like, ooh, nah, that, that feels uncomfortable, go take that step. Make that to kind of piggyback off that, um, a couple of months ago, I was talking to my parents about all this, and my dad's a pastor, um, and so I've already said that, but um, he meets with other local churches around him, and he met with a black um, pastor, and they were just talking about how to create multi-ethnic church, and the guy um, brought up the idea that I think it's really easy for white Christian cultures to expect um, other cultures, um, black churches to come to them. And um, I think that's an expectation that is put on them. And um, I think that is just wrong. I think we have a responsibility um, to go and experience different cultures and experience a different way where we are very uncomfortable. Um, I don't know, I was talking to leadership, but like a week ago, um, and one away is like the gospel choir came and sang for FCA, um, and it was cool and it was beautiful, but that stopped there, and um, I think it would just be like a really cool experience for, I don't know, people of FCA to go reach to them, um, go into their spaces um, to make yourself little, um, make yourself uncomfortable and experience what they feel, um, experience what they um, 
feel like is home. Um, and that happens around Clemson all the time. We have a lot of different organizations for a lot of different ethnicities. And I think we just have a really cool opportunity to step into those spaces. And I think we really just have to choose to. Um, I know it's hard because it's like, where do you find them? Um, you just look. <laughs> you really, if you have that desire, you will put in the work to look and see. Um, you'll put in the work to go to a local black church. Um, one of the guys on our Unity team, Caleb, he, um, he has put in the work to go to different black churches. And um, I just think that's really cool. And I've gotten to see that in him. And I just, um, it's really cool to see that work because it really shows that he really is trying to unify the body of Christ in a different way where he feels uncomfortable and he is the minority in that situation. All right, I'm going to be honest. I got a good bit to say, but I'm going to make it quick. All right, I'm going to chop it, chop it, chop it. Go, go, go. All right, so there is a keen difference between diversity and inclusivity. All right, diversity is when you have a whole bunch of people in the place, right? But inclusivity comes when these people are included in that space. Does that make sense? So a lot of times we're reaching for diversity, bringing people in, but when they get in this space, they're not included. So all you're doing is just segregating people while in the same space. You see what I'm saying? So when you're going out and you're going to look, you're looking for inclusivity. How do you get inclusivity? The Bible declares that in all thy getting, get an understanding. The first step in all of this is to get an understanding. The beautiful thing about getting and understanding is that it's going to be given to you. Does that make sense? When you're getting and understanding from somebody else, it is not you spewing your opinions or your dispositions. It's you. I'm coming in your space. I want you to explain why do you feel this way, whether I agree with you or not. I want to understand. Literally, if I could put this in a picture, I would take off my shoes, right? I would jump out of my shoes and let somebody else jump in my shoes to understand what it means to walk in these size nine como de garçons. See, see what I'm saying? So what am I saying? The first steps, if you want to get um, foster inclusivity, not only in FCA, but in your daily lives. The Bible declares that love starts at home and spread abroad. If you want to start that thing within your own heart and within your own life, Learn about somebody else. Go to a different culture. Go to a Spanish-speaking church, and y'all, you better worship. Only if the only thing you know is hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Do something that makes you, honestly, do something that makes you uncomfortable. What you're going in this space to do is I want to see the beauty in what you know. I want to see the beauty in the way that you worship. I want to see why you love what you love. I'm not trying to come to you and say, I like good, good father because it said good, good two times. No, I'm, I want, I'm, going, I'm coming to you and I'm coming. I, I like your church because I like that trap beat under good, good father. You see what I'm saying? So what I'm, what I'm encouraging everyone to do, what I'm encouraging everyone to do is, the, like she said, meet somebody you've never seen before that does not look like you, that speaks differently from you, even if it's a different religion. That's unpopular. The Bible says it's for the Jews as well as the Gentiles, as well as the barbarians. It doesn't matter who it is. Jesus got enough for everybody. You see what I'm saying? Meet somebody. Meet somebody that does not believe like you. Meet, because, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. I promise you this is going to be my last thing. Because even in the space, even in the space of meeting somebody that believes a whole different concept, what you will learn is that a lot of the main ideals align. And not only that, in hearing what they believe, it helps you to appreciate what you believe even more. The more that I talk to an atheist, the more that I talk to someone who's Islamic, the more I love the Jesus that I serve. Ain't nobody like him. You see what I'm saying? So and it, it teaches you to be confident and sure and stand within you within 
understand who you are because the more you're able to appreciate somebody else, the more you'll be able to, to compliment where you come from and what you did and what you know, the more I'm able to appreciate God. These are the experiences that you gave me. And with what, you, what you've given me, I'm going to work it. Y'all, that was amazing. I feel incredibly convicted. Like, Holy Spirit spoke through y'all and was just really, really powerful. And I'm truly so thankful for each one of you for being vulnerable. This is really intimidating. Not only are you coming here to share just your experience, but also your experience concerning race, which is such a hot topic issue. And that exposes a lot. And I'm just I'm really thankful, and I'm grateful for y'all. Y'all are amazing. And I'm really thankful for y'all for being willing to listen and to have an open heart and to hear really where they are coming from and what the Lord has called us to do. Um, I want to take away, I want y'all to take away two things from tonight. One, I pray that you felt conviction. You felt holy conviction about how to love your neighbor better how to pursue unity better, and not experiencing shame, because that's not from the Father, but instead conviction to movement. But lastly, I want you to experience excitement, because Jesus has already done the work. He's already made the two people groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, one. He's already created unity. And I'm going to read from Ephesians 2, and I think they're going to come up and take the couches. Yes? No? Awkward transition, that's okay. <laughs> so I'm going to read Ephesians 2, and this is 14 through 16. And it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and its regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And through the cross, oops, and in one body to reconcile both to them, both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Y'all, Jesus has already done the work. He's already created a new humanity. He's already created a new family of believers. And now that we are ambassadors of Christ, we get to live that out. We get to pursue reconciliation because that is his truest and deepest desire. So as we move into worship and response, I pray that you repent of the ways that you haven't been loving your neighbor, repent of the ways that you haven't been pursuing unity, but you also rejoice in the fact that Jesus loves you, he has created the sacrifice, and he's created within himself one new body. <laughs>